0: But where people get stuck are in the sixes, are in the things that are just pretty good. It's not bad. We can we can push through this, like and sometimes people will start to their mindset will shift of like, you know what, nobody loves their job. You know what? Everyone's overweight. Or nobody's really happily married.
1: Welcome to The Fi Show, where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show, but I cannot be doing this thing alone, so let's check in with my co-host, Justin. What's up, man? Had a big weekend this past weekend with some skiing up at Mount Snow, followed by
2: a big Super Bowl party at my house. Also, some exciting news. I sold my old F-150, so now I can start shopping for a van that we're going to do a little mini van life, just some weekend trips. But how about you, Cody?
1: I also had a pretty fun ski weekend up at Smuggler's Notch in Vermont. I'm back now. We actually were hanging out at your Super Bowl party, which is a lot of fun. But before we move any further, Justin, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Have you ever told yourself, this is the year that I'm gonna save a bunch of money, and somehow that year is over and you have not saved even close to as much money as you'd wanted? What if this whole process could be automated? Our partner, Empower, that's E-M-P-O-W-E-R, has created an awesome mobile app that makes it super easy to automate your savings. Whether it's saving up for your next vacation, or saving up for your next rental property, or saving up for that concert next summer, this autosave feature can help you get there. Just set your weekly savings target and let Empower do the rest of the work. That's right, Cody. And don't forget about the other awesome feature of Empower where you can send simple
2: text messages to Empower's human coaches and get personalized recommendations in return. So if you have a savings goal this year, you've got to check out the Empower app. Download Empower, that's E-M-P-O-W-E-R in the App Store or Play Store. I did and over 650,000 other people have too. And as a special bonus to our listeners, you can get $5 if you use the offer code FISHO as well as meet your savings goal. So visit Empower.me slash show for more details. All right, Cody. So today we have Jillian, who's launched her new podcast, the Everyday Courage podcast, who has an awesome backstory. And we're about to get in that, but we don't want to steal the thunder. Take it away, Jillian.
0: So me and my husband, we got married when I was at the ripe old age of 19. And I was really passionate about financial freedom. I really desired just having more choices and more options and more security. You know, growing up, my life had been a little chaotic and a little bit challenging. And I just saw from a really early age that money gives you options. And I desperately wanted more options in my life. So we got married, but we had $55,000 worth of debt. We had, he had credit card debt, he had student loans, I had medical debt, and neither of us had picked, unfortunately, high-paying professions. So we had committed, when we first got married, someone had told me this idea of, you should just save half of your income. And I think the idea behind it was, you know, if you guys decide to have kids at some point, One of you could stay home or you'll be able to afford daycare or whatever. And that just seemed to stick with me. It just resonated. And I was like, okay, we're just going to save half, which was really challenging the first year because we made $12,000 because we were still in college. So that meant us moving into a camper, like an old, ugly camper. This is like way before tiny homes were cool. Van life was (laughs) not a thing yet. And just making some really difficult choices. We moved to the D.C. area, which is a very high cost of living. That meant that we had a roommate while we had our first kid, while we had our second kid, while all of our other peers were like being grownups and had their own places. We still had a roommate. But even just that one choice helped us save an extra $25,000. So we committed to that, like save at least half and slowly over the years it just compounded we ended up using that to invest and to buy rentals to where we were able to be financially independent when i was 32 which is kind of like crazy and mind-blowing to me because when we started this thing i i remember thinking what if we could like what if we could retire or be like financially independent like when we're 60 and that seemed (laughs) crazy that seemed like such a stretch goal. And then we started making some progress. And I was like, maybe like, maybe 55. I mean, and I know it sounds, I know it sounds insane, but like, maybe we could do it by 55.
2: <laughs> so one thing I'm curious about is if you know where maybe some of that drive comes from to be successful and to push for these kind of things. Because, you know, a lot of times we have discussions about people who have different backgrounds, have different privileges, different setups. And I think one privilege that I definitely had was just this innate desire to do better. And I don't know that everyone has that. So I'm just curious where that came from. And do you think that can be taught or like, what do other people do about this?
0: I do think one of the great benefits that I had was I grew up in this small town in the middle of Montana called Big Sandy, Montana, and there were 700 people. So you knew everybody and everybody knew you. And these folks are the most hardworking people I've ever met. It is farmers that during harvest will work 20 hours a day in 100-degree weather. And it's ranchers who will wake up at 3 in the morning when it is 20 below zero to ride a horse during calving season. Like, they're just such hardworking people. And the level of hardworking and grittiness as a baseline is more than I see in, like, anyone anywhere. That's just like the average person doing their average job. And it it infused the culture of all of my peers, of all of my friends, just worked ridiculously hard. And there was such a high standard of excellence. Because in these, especially farm and ranch communities, you know, 100 years ago, if you didn't have a high standard of excellence, if you didn't work extremely hard, your family died. Like there wasn't, there wasn't room for laziness. There wasn't room for sloppiness. Like it was very critical and it just, it's still part of that fabric. And so I was really lucky to grow up in that kind of culture where, you know, even high school sports and academics, like so many of my peers were really high achieving. And for some reason it did resonate with me. Like I liked it. And I think because things were really chaotic at home being high achieving and being driven was a way for me to really control my external world. Like I couldn't fix my family. I couldn't fix all the things that were happening at home, but I could work harder than anyone else on the basketball team. I could study later than anyone else in like AP chemistry. And that was something I could control. And I had some agency over
1: So a common theme that we notice on the Fi Show is a lot of these people who are high performers who, you know, outperform their peers, they're doing better, they're the elites. It's not just like one thing that changes their life and then they're the best. They do these little tiny things every single day that makes them 1% than other people. And I kind of want to loop this in to your podcast you recently launched called Everyday Courage. And it's not just called like courage all the time or 100% courage. It's Everyday Courage. Could you talk about what that means? You could talk about the name. You could talk about just the catalyst for the podcast and what type of message you hope to get out to listeners.
0: Yeah, I think it ties into what you're saying. Like it's it's so many different actions. You know, sometimes when we think about courage, we think about these huge acts of courage and these huge acts of bravery. But success often comes in just the everyday consistency of being a little bit more courageous in all of our choices across the board my father was in the military and he was deployed for a long time and I remember him coming home and saying you know I see guys who will rock a pack 20 miles across the desert to go into a town and face gunfire to save someone but won't come home and do marriage counseling Sometimes it's easier to be courageous in these big courageous situations, but like to come home and have a hard conversation with your spouse or to address trauma or to learn to apologize. Like those, those things also take courage, just that everyday mundane type of courage that makes an exceptional life.
2: I think that's an interesting point, even with, you know, on another kind of part of life, when you look at things like travel, even, I mean, sometimes we'll sit there and we'll look and we'll plan these huge trips and we'll spend a ton of time trying to figure out how to optimize it, maybe travel hack it, whatever it is, and you're just focused six, eight months down the road, but then you're not like building that little community close by and you're not doing like the little events and you're not building something sustainable, you're just so focused like eight months down the road that you don't kind of pay attention along the way. So how do you kind of mix those two where you've got something big, you know, some big aspirations that you're marching towards, but you're also still trying to take care of things every day?
0: I think it's important to have a bigger vision for what you want your life to look like, what success really looks like to you. And for most people, they do want a daily kind of success. They want to be healthy in in their mind, in their body and in their spirit. They want meaningful, rich relationships. They want deep friendships. They want to feel grounded and secure. And that takes habits and it takes mindset. And there are those people who have peak experiences, you know, whether it's a big trip or one big accomplishment, and their life is kind of bankrupt in between. I think sometimes on social media it's so easy to show the peak experiences, but if you've met those some of those people in real life, you're like, "Oh, but your your day-to-day week that's kind of a sad existence." And I don't think any of us crave that. We want both. We want great peak experiences, but we want a daily life that's rich and dynamic and meaningful and exciting. So this is
1: one of the points you used a word that I really wanted to talk about, and it's your definition of success. So could you talk about just the word success and how people can get so caught up in that word and in that definition? And then maybe you could talk about what your own definition of success is.
0: I really see success as getting everything you want out of life. It's so easy to internalize what the world says is success, which may or may not line up with what you care about and what you value and what's important to you you know if all of your peers say this kind of car if you own this this is a success maybe that resonates maybe it doesn't you know for some people it's like this kind of career field if, if i if i can do that kind of work that's success but maybe that's not your thing and so being clear about what actually matters to you like what's the substance of your life what you want to accomplish on our very brief time here. And are you making progress on that? Are you being true to that? Because then it doesn't matter what everyone else says that you should be doing or what they think is important. It's so easy to live out someone else's dream and never really understand what your dream is.
2: That kind of makes me think about when I graduated college and commissioned into the air force, those are my two big things. Those are the two things I was chasing to me that was going to be success but then like when you get past those and you've done them, it goes from being like, this is my journey. This is what I'm going after. This is awesome to now what's next. How do you think that people can handle not only just a complacency, but almost like that drop off, like they've hit whatever it is that they think success is. And, you know, how do they continue to find the next success?
0: This was something that I, I had to go through that transition because I had all these dreams. I had all these goals. I, I, I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to adopt kids. I wanted to pay cash for a house. I wanted to be financially independent. And I thought that that was a lifetime worth of goals. And it happened by the time I was 32. So then I was like, <laughs> huh, okay, I did everything that I set out to in life in the first 32 years. Now, what's next? And it takes a lot of intention. It takes a lot of time and effort To be like, what else am I passionate about? Like, what else do I care about? What else could drive me and excite me? That's not something that like another person can hand to you. It's not something that you can buy and like get all of the answers. It takes a lot of intention to figure that out and a lot of reflection. Oftentimes with my clients, you know, once you start to operate on kind of this, I think about like life expands, it expands, then it expands again. And at some point, the things that used to be luxuries are now necessity. So things like planning or creative retreats, like that sounds like an amazing luxury. But at a certain point, that's going to be come to necessity if you want to keep growing, if you want to keep leveling up. Even mentors or accountability or coaching, like that's an amazing luxury at some point. And then at some point, you just need that if you want to keep growing.
1: So, Jillian, you're a mother of five. You hit financial independence at 32. You're married. You are a real estate investor. You're doing all these things. Clearly, you've developed some systems that work. You definitely must be organized or have some superpower. And on the same thread of goals, can you talk about how tangibly you attack a short-term goal versus a long-term goal? Say a goal that you want to accomplish this week versus one that's out 10 years from now. Are there two different strategies or is it basically the same principles?
0: So, my long-term goals... At this point, all of my long-term goals don't have a deadline. They're things that I love and that I care about and that I'm so passionate about. I don't care how long it takes. I will chase these down until I die. So the time frame is irrelevant. But I have them out there as kind of a North Star. I'm a big fan of testing and scaling. I don't think you can figure out every single detail before you start moving. But I have these kind of North Star pointing my general direction. And short-term goals, I am a little organized about it. I tend to look at my quarter, like six to 12 weeks, because I have five kids at home. They're all in public school. So our quarter to quarter, our life looks really, really different. And Because life keeps expanding and more and more things keep happening that I can't predict, I can't necessarily force to happen. I have to be a little bit more flexible. So there's six kind of elements I look at when I'm planning out my quarter. One of the things that I do, I do a lot of visualization. I try to imagine what life would look like if I've achieved these bigger goals i try to think about who i would be what would have to happen mostly so i can kind of feel where's the gap there let's say you want to write a book and you're like yeah i'm a best selling author and i'm doing this speaking tour and i'm I've, I've written all this where's the gap between that person and who you are right now maybe that person has a great writing habit every day maybe that person works with an editor maybe that person has a writing coach maybe that person Is giving speeches a couple times a month. Are you currently doing any of those things? So you can kind of feel where that gap is and it gives you some good plan and action steps to take to start to close that gap. So every quarter I kind of imagine some of those things and I develop my plan to close that gap. How much time, what's my time budget that I'm working with over the next 12 weeks? Do I have an extra five hours a week, 10 hours a week? Because sometimes people throw things out there then there's no realistic way, like if you count the cost, you don't have the resources to close that gap in that time frame. So I look at my vision. Is my vision really clear? I look at my habits. Are my habits actually supporting that goal? I look at my mindset. Is my mindset helpful for me to make progress? I look at my schedule. What action items do I need to do? And what's my financial budget? And honestly, with those six things, if all six of those are lined up, you can get almost anywhere. It's just at that point, it's just a matter of how long it's going to take. Like, how much runway do you need to get that off the ground? But oftentimes, people don't actually count that cost. I had one client who had all these really big, ambitious goals, which is amazing. But I was like, well, let's count the cost. Like, how much time is that going to take? What kind of habits are you going to need? What is your mindset going to need to look like? What is your schedule going to look like? What kind of budget do you need? Like, Do you have what it takes right now? get it done in that time frame or do you just need a longer runway?
2: So I love the way that you're kind of breaking that down, especially these big long-term goals. But this has kind of been from the view of like what you're doing yourself. I'm just curious how those around you come into play, whether it's like a partner, a family member, a friend, an accountability partner. How do you feel about needing to share those goals with somebody else? Either they're holding you directly accountable or you kind of hold yourself accountable because you know you've kind of put it out there and people know about it now.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Gretchen Rubin. She was actually one of the guests that I recorded with who'll be in season three. And I wanted to talk to her about the four tendencies because it's one of my favorite books for her in looking at the two tendencies I really look at are the upholders. Those are people who respond pretty well to internal and external motivation, but those folks really need clarity. Like, because they're such upholders, because they'll just get it done, it's really easy for them to get stuck because they don't want to overcommit or to just go down the wrong path and keep going because they're just the type of people who are going to keep going no matter what. They'll just finish things, even if it's the wrong thing (laughs) versus obligers who really need a lot of external accountability and that structure and I just encourage people like whatever your tendency is, however you respond best to motivations, like do what works. It's so funny how much shame and guilt we can have about just doing the thing that works. People are like, well, I shouldn't need this, or I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to have like an accountability partner, or I shouldn't have to have someone to like be a sounding board and help give me clarity, or I shouldn't need like A retreat, or I shouldn't need a course. And I'm like, dude, whatever you need, just do that thing. Like, stop getting so stuck on, well, so and so didn't need to do this. So and so doesn't have to do that. They're a different person. Do what you need.
1: (laughs) So, something you talk about, Jillian, is comfortability, getting too comfortable. You know, it's pretty good, but it's not great. It's not awful. And you've used the number six, and you're saying, pay really close attention to those sixes. Could you talk about that concept and what that means?
0: Yeah, this is such, it's one of those like important versus urgent dilemmas in that if something's really difficult and hard in our life, if we have those kind of twos or threes that are really painful, there's not a lot of downside if you make change. You know, there's not a lot of risk. If you're in a horrible job that is like giving you panic attacks and stressing you out and you just feel so much dread before you go into work, it's easier to switch jobs. Because the likelihood of the next job being worse than that is pretty low. There's a good chance that any other job would be better. So, and the pain is great enough to be a catalyst for change. You know, because change is hard and change in itself is painful. But if you're in like a two or a three and that's so painful, it kind of balances itself out. And you know, if things are an eight or a nine and they're just really amazing, that's great. You know, that's kind of what we're hoping for. But where people get stuck are in the sixes. Are in the things that are just pretty good. It's not bad. We can we can push through this. Like and sometimes people will start to their mindset will shift of like, you know what? Nobody loves their job. You know what? Everyone's overweight. Or nobody's really happily married, or I don't know anyone who can actually apologize very well. So it's average. It's good enough. We rarely <laughs> We rarely go to marriage counseling when our relationship feels like a six. You know, if we go to the doctor and he says, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, it's it's okay. We're not like, oh my gosh, I need to go <laughs> hire a trainer. I need a nutritionist. Like pretty good is not good enough. But the reality is, well, it doesn't feel urgent in the moment. Come the end of our life, if everything feels like a six, if you look back on, on your impact and your relationships and your joy and your health. And you're like, it was okay. You know, it was it was maybe a six. Like, my marriage was probably a six. My friendships, yeah, it was probably a six. My relationships with my kids, it was okay. You know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I'm not complaining. It just, nothing was amazing. I think you can feel the weight of, yeah, it's not urgent, but this is actually really important.
2: I'm curious if you've ever had any, like, interactions or if you have any thoughts about people who may be, like, delusional sixes so what I mean by that is like <laughs> it's actually a lot worse than a six but they think oh I'm sure everybody's is really bad too and we're fine we're fine or people who are actually doing really well and have no need to kinda like burn themselves out to get to the next level like they're an eight or whatever but they just they don't respect what they've done they don't they don't value the amount of accomplishments that they actually have and how much work they are getting done
0: yeah everyone definitely has a different baseline So, depending on how you grew up, depending on your social circle, that kind of helps set your baseline. You know, early in my marriage, we've been married 17 years now, but early on, I had seen a lot of dysfunctional relationships. I had seen a lot of dysfunctional communication, and I thought, man, I'm killing it. Like, this is amazing. I can't believe how good we are at merit. (laughs) (laughs) Then like five or eight years in, I was like, oh, actually, we each have a little bit of room for improvement here. Like, we can take this up to the next level. And that is part of like, life expands a little bit. And then you're like, oh, there's more out there. I think we're very limited in our imagination. Most people can visualize like five steps ahead. And then that just seems like... That's the best it could be. That's the biggest it could be. And once you get there, then you can start to imagine things being better. But it can also happen in really high achieving circles. And that's why it's so important to be mindful of what's important to you. What really matters to you because someone else's definition of success doesn't necessarily mean it's yours. You know, for them being a lawyer and breaking 300000 a year, like that's winning at life. But for you, being able to walk your kids to school just is the richness of life, even if it means earning $150,000 a year, but you're being more true to yourself. So just staying in your own lane and playing your own game.
1: So for me, I've definitely been a victim of getting caught in the sixth trap. And I don't know about you. Well, I kind of do know about you, Julian, because we're friends and I know some of your philosophies. But for me, like taking a step back, like really far back. And looking at my life, like kind of like from the outside, like when I went on that three month book tour with Grant or I went to South America in December and something about doing something like that almost hits a reset button to realize like, okay, I'm doing this thing constantly week after week, but it doesn't really matter that much. Could you talk about the benefit of taking that step back? I know you're a huge proponent of mini retirements and how that can help someone get out of that six trap.
0: Yeah, it is so difficult when you just become really, really familiar with your routine and your environment And it's important to take, to find those opportunities to have a hard break and a hard cut from that to gain some fresh perspective and just to gain some fresh eyes on things. It's like whenever we travel and we come home, I notice how my house smells. You don't notice how your house smells (laughs) when you live in it every single day. Like you need like a two week break and then you come in and you're like, oh, there's a certain kind of fragrance to this or It's true for everything. We we see things with fresh eyes. So that can be really helpful. Also having other people as a sounding board, other people that you trust and that you respect who will give you honest feedback. Like here's where I'm trying to go. Here's the gap I, I see. Like what gaps do you see? Because sometimes we just, we miss things. Like we all have blind spots and we need people in our lives who will give us critical feedback that we trust and we know that they love us. We know that they like us and they care about us and like they just want us to get to our goals. So I find when people have like five or 10 of those people, which sounds like a lot, like it's it's amazing if you have one, but when people have five or 10 people who will will honestly help them assess their gaps, they find their gaps and they close them much, much faster than people who never seek that kind of feedback.
2: So I think this is a like a great idea to take that step back. I mean, whether it is a just a big vacation, mini retirement, or just kind of taking a break and stepping back. But I know that can be easier said than done when you're like in it and you're in it every day. So do you yourself, I mean, do you like plan these out in advance, even like, even if you don't feel like you need it at that moment, you're just like, it's been six months since I've done one of these, I got to do something to take a step back or, you know, however long the duration might be.
0: I do both. So I kind of I plan things on the calendar. I usually call them like creative retreats and it's just stepping back, looking at some life questions, looking at my overall vision, like outside of my environment. But then I also take them as needed. So I did just launch this podcast and over the holidays and it was so busy and it was so hectic and it was like head down to get all of this done. So I just took a 24 hour retreat earlier this week. And I came back and I was like, you know, that was pretty good. That was really helpful. And it wasn't enough. (laughs) I went online and I found an Allegiant flight and I'm doing a four day trip, solo trip to Phoenix this weekend. I'd leave tomorrow morning because while that sounds like a luxury, now it's kind of a necessity. You know, the busier life gets and the more high leverage things are, you need more time for thoughtfulness. You need more time for intention. like. When I first started this journey, I would meet with like a coach or a mentor every couple months. Now I have like two or three people and it's like every other week I'm talking to someone. I'm having another set of eyes on my plans and on my ideas to bounce things off of.
1: So I think a part of just advancing in any part of life is that constant refining we've been talking about for the last 10 minutes here. I know you do a lot of one-on-one coaching. Is there a theme or a pattern that you see with a lot of people and kind of second part of that question. What do you tell those people? What is the best combatant against whatever the first answer to that first part is?
0: One of the things I love about coaching is that, you know, sometimes we have ideas that work well for us. In working with other people, I get to stress test this across a lot of different situations and a lot of different stories. And a good idea is a good idea. But like the rubber hits the road, like, did they actually do it? Where did it fall apart? Where did they get stuck? How do we have to fix this? So there are there are a lot of common sticking points where people get stuck. But one of the things that is so extremely helpful is when people start to be able to figure out where their challenges are. And it's an exercise I run through with people, but it's more of a a lifestyle approach. It's more of an ongoing mindset and a habit of whenever people feel hesitation whenever they start to procrastinate, whenever they're avoiding something or they're trying to like wiggle around it, whenever they slow down exponentially, like it should take a day to do this task and 20 days in and they're not done. There's some underlying challenge there. And it's one of the success habits I see is if people can get into the habit of not ignoring it, and not being judgmental about it. Sometimes people absorb a lot of shame, like I don't know why I can't do this. I don't know why like this is easy for everyone else and why am I having such a hard time? But they can be curious. They can go, "Huh. Why am I avoiding that item on my to-do list? Like, why do I feel so much resistance about showing up to that meeting? Why am I procrastinating this? Like, why is this taking me so much longer than than it should?" And really start to figure out where that resistance is coming from. And I call it like shortening the loop. Because this can be a long loop. Like people can feel stuck and get resistance. And then lose two months. They just won't do anything for two months. Or we can shorten it to where they feel the resistance. They get curious. Maybe they don't 100% figure it out. But they feel the resistance again. And they get curious. And in a day or two... They're able to problem solve it or adjust their mindset or some things will self-correct if we know where they're coming from and then get on with things. But the shorter we can get that loop of people getting stuck and procrastinating and getting discouraged to where they can move on to the next things, the more successful people are. But oftentimes people don't know, they're just not even aware that they have resistance or that there's some underlying challenge there.
2: So we've been talking a lot about, you know, these kind of ways that people can set goals and stay accountable or not get stuck. And I'm just curious, what are some of these goals that you're chasing right now?
0: Yeah. So my my overarching litmus test and kind of vision is is Oprah. Um, <laughs> growing up, things were chaotic and challenging at home. And not a lot of people were like, Julian, you're going to go do great things, like, I had a lot of anxiety as a kid, and I was dyslexic, so I didn't seem very smart in grade school. I was an anxious, seemingly not very bright kid, and things were a little chaotic at home. And I didn't have anyone saying, like, life can be different. Life can be better. Like, you have more agency than you believe, except Oprah. (laughs) And every single day, Oprah showed up for an hour And she gave me hope. Like she gave me the courage to hope that things could be different, which is really the first step in courageous living is just believing things could be different. And I didn't believe it for a long time. And it took her showing up every day for an hour. It took like a decade before I was like, huh, maybe, maybe I came home and I would grab a Pop-Tart and I would sit in front of the TV and I would watch Oprah and going into this next phase of my life that's my mission, to just give people hope that things can be different, that they have more agency, that they believe that life can be better no matter what challenges you've gone through, no matter what limitations you feel stuck in. There's probably more hope than you believe. So and I'm pretty flexible in what that looks like. I think at some point I would love to write a book. I think at some point I would love to do more things in TV or video. I'm really excited about my podcast. I love my coaching and events and I do a lot of public speaking. Like there's a lot of different mediums that that I'm testing and I'm scaling and I'm figuring out if they're the perfect fit for me and for my family. But that's my North Star. Like I just think about Auntie Oprah, which is what I call her in my head because <laughs> uh, she's like an aunt. Like an aunt doesn't owe you anything, but she just shows up because she loves you. And she just like gives you good advice that you actually listen to because you're not going to listen to your parents.
2: It's because she's from Mississippi. That's why she's so relatable.
1: (laughs) So I think this is perfect. Oprah did a great job kind of rounding this thing out before we get into the final three questions. And so we've kind of teased and talked about Everyday Courage. We talked a little bit about what the topics are and what you're hoping that people get out of it, but more on a tactical level, like how is the show airing? How long are the episodes? Could you give us more detail around that?
0: Yeah. So I decided I wanted to curate seasons around one big theme. To kind of help walk people through the full process. So, I have interviews that I feel like really flesh this out and give some encouragement and like put a real story around it. And then I have a few solo episodes that I describe some tools or some techniques or some ideas that really are, they show up in these interviews, they show up in these people's stories because it's kind of like, pretty basic elements of success. And then I I wrap the whole thing up. We're doing a custom workbook that's free for each season and it walks people through the exercises and it walks people through the planning and it gives them some journal prompts and and just everything they need to actually make progress and something tangible that they can do it with another person. Cuz I think it's so important to have You know, ideally five, but if you got one person, like one person's enough to get started to have that accountability and that clarity with another person. And I decided I want to keep them really short. I love long interviews, but I got five kids and I just never have time. Like, (laughs) it's like if I'm on a plane ride, I can get through a 90 minute episode. But I wanted to give people a quick win because it is everyday courage so I wanted to be short enough to where people could listen every day. Now the show is not every day. It's once a week. <laughs> but I try to keep them in like the six to 20 minutes time frame to where if you're like, you show up early for a meeting or you're waiting to pick up your kids, you can actually get it done and mark it off your list and feel that like quick win sense of accomplishment.
2: And for people kind of keeping up with the release schedule of this, I know you alluded to a third season being recorded What is kind of the timeline for, you know, dropping a season? How long is a season? Just how should they expect to consume this?
0: I do two months is a season. So we'll cover kind of the same topic for two months. They come out once a week and there won't be any gap in between the seasons. But I have an email list just for my podcast. So one of the things that's been fun is that when people sign up for that email list, they get the entire season up front and the workbook. So if you're not like a once a week, it's not kind of part of your pattern, but you're like, I want to take four hours. I want to take a day. I want to take some time away and have a break and really focus on myself. You can listen to the whole season. You can do all the workbook, whatever people's paces. If you want to do like 10 minutes a week or if you want to binge the whole thing as like a personal retreat day.
2: Well, Jillian, thank you so much for coming on the show today and helping us walk through kind of, you know, how to set goals, a lot of mentality type things, a lot of things that are maybe a little less what could seem less tactical than savings rate percentages and safe withdrawals and all that. But something that is so crucial, such a cornerstone of this journey. And if people want to continue to follow along with you and to get more nuggets like this, where's the best place for them to follow along or maybe to reach out and contact you?
0: If you want the whole season of Everyday Courage, I would sign up for that email list. And you can do that on my site, which is jillianjohnsrud.com. Or Instagram is a great place to, to connect with me, send me a DM, comment on something. It's probably the easiest way to, on a daily basis, get in touch.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll make sure that's all linked up in the show notes so people don't have to guess at spelling your last name because I know that's been difficult for me before. (laughs) But Jillian, one thing we like to ask all of our guests is if you could leave one tip for someone on the path to financial independence, what would that be?
0: So I think the easiest formula for me for whether you're just trying to pay off debt or become financially independent, I encourage people to have a plan to grow their gap the amount in between their expenses and their income, focus on that one number, like track that one number every month, try to grow that number and then have a plan to guard the gap, whether it's paying off your debt, whether it's starting to invest, investing in a business, just like those are the only two things you really have to do. You have to grow your gap and you have to guard your gap, but coming up with a plan that really reflects your abilities, your opportunities, your values, yeah, it's not easy, but it's not complicated either.
2: Okay, Jillian, now is time for the last question. It is the wild card question. That's a question that, obviously, as you could tell during the interview, me and Cody had not prepared for. So you're obviously not prepared for, but are you ready?
0: As ready as I'm going to be.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you talk about kind of taking these mental breaks, these step backs, and these little retreats, but I have to imagine when you got five kids sitting at home sometimes something just doesn't go your way. So I was wondering if you had a fun story about where you've tried to take a step away, you've left the house, you're at some little retreat and something just goes terribly wrong back at home and you have to rush back.
0: Thankfully, I do have a really amazing, capable husband. So he normally keeps the (laughs) ship afloat. But I hosted a retreat in Montana here and I invited, it was like 50 or 60 people. I had some great speakers come And we had a fantastic retreat. And then afterwards, unplanned Pete, who writes for Mr. Money Mustache, decided to come back to my house and hang out with my family. And so I texted my husband like 10 minutes before we showed up. Oh, by the way, Mr. Money Mustache is coming over. Like, make sure things are okay. And he has been wrangling all five kids the whole time and helping with the event. And we walk in and my 12 year old has two rats And has not cleaned the rat cage. And my husband has not noticed. And my house smells like rat poop. (laughs) And I am horrified. Like, I'm horrified. This is the first time Pete is coming to my house. And it's just so embarrassing. <laughs> like I didn't even know how to explain this. Like, oh, don't mind that smell. It's just rat feces.
2: <laughs> and you just had that step away, so you get to like walk into your house like, hmm, this is what my home smells <laughs> like.
0: <laughs> even worse, I was like, oh my gosh! Like, how do we quickly fix this? Like, we open my son's window, we shut his door, I put in like a wax melt thing. We go out for a hike with him, my whole family, and when we come back, this is even worse. He's like. Oh, it kind of smells nice in here now. (laughs) (laughs) So one of my mottos on my podcast is that you don't have to be perfect to make progress. You just have to be a little bit more courageous every day. And there are times when like you hold an amazing retreat. And you get Mr. Money Mustache to come and speak. And everyone has this magical time. And then you invite him to your house and it smells like rat feces. (laughs) Like it's not going to be perfect, but you can still make progress.
1: Well, Jillian, it was an absolute blast having you on again. I know the last time we formally spoke, aka having microphones in front of our mouths, was like a year and a half ago. So it's great to kind of catch up, see what you've been working on, hear about your new podcast, Everyday Courage. I know you've been super busy. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day
0: so much for having me this was amazing
1: well justin like we had mentioned before in the podcast this was jillian's second time coming on and boy did she not disappoint she is just full of spirit and motivation and every time i talk to her or interview her i just have this newfound energy what do you think about the episode man Yeah, obviously, I love this episode
2: because I just love Jillian. She's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. If you ever get a chance to go to any of the conferences she's at, you'll see her with this backpack full of snacks that she's handing around to everybody. And like you mentioned, with all that energy and enthusiasm, you know, she talks about getting that work ethic from like a
1: small town with a lot of ranchers. And I could just really respect that. And I think that ties into the whole theme of this episode where like those people from her hometown, they're going in and they're doing this thing every single day. And that's what she's saying. It's not about one big heroic act. And that's not what life's all about. You can't just be chasing these huge, huge goals because then when you hit those goals, kind of like the same theme with financial independence, if you don't have something after that, then you're going to be really upset when you do hit that goal. So she's all about making sure you hit these everyday wins. Of course, you want these bigger goals on your horizon. But if you can check the boxes every single day and say, you know what, I did something that made me feel good, or I did something that's going to impact my future, that will have a huge impact on your happiness, your success, and your life in general. Yeah, Cody. And going along with this goal theme, she
2: talks about this idea of sixes, and it's kind of reminiscent to some things you'll hear about, like somebody being lukewarm, right? Like if you're if you're freezing, you realize like, hey, I got a problem, need to heat up. If you're burning up, like you're good, you got plenty of energy. But it's that kind of when you're in the middle, you're floating around in the middle that you can get complacent, kind of get stuck, and not realize that you need to keep pushing yourself. You're like, this is okay. And today turns into Mara that just goes on forever and you never meet those goals. So she's really trying to
1: hone in on that part of doing those little things that push you from that six up to the eights, the nines. And another thing I totally resonated with was her ideas of these retreats or these mini retirements or just anything where you can kind of take a step back and evaluate where you're at, where you wanna go and whether or not you're headed in that direction. And I really do think, even if it's not some extended vacation where you're staying somewhere for a month or several months or you're doing something crazy, Just being able to create a little bit of space between the you from yesterday and the you from today and just understanding like, is this person heading in the right direction? Am I in line with my values? Am I in line with the things I wanna be working on? Am I spending time with the people I wanna spend time with? I think if you can create that little bit of separation and analyze every single action you're taking during each day, then you're gonna be a lot better positioned to create a life you love. And now it's time for the call to action. So the call to action this
2: week, Cody, is for the listeners to go out there and examine their own lives and find places where they may be complacent, where they have those sixes, where they're not pushing themselves far enough, but it's also maybe a place that's not so uncomfortable where they realize they need to do something. So really do
1: some self-examination and look for those sixes and try to push those forward. Love that call to action, Justin, just getting that 1% better each and every day. And so if you want to dive into the episode a little more, you want to read the detailed show notes, you want to get some links that we've been talking about, you can do that at thefyshow.com slash courage. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group
2: page, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefishow.com slash resources.
1: And thanks for listening.